The Future is Inclusive is produced on Ngunnawal country, and we pay our respects to elders past, present and future, especially those who identify as having a disability. People tell me how to identify. So I say, like a lot of other autistic people, I say I am autistic. Now that is not to reflect that I don't like myself, quite the opposite. It's to reflect a pride in who I am. But People are taught, especially clinicians and social workers and people like that, are taught to use person-first language, which is, I have autism. For autistic people, that's a bit silly a lot of the time because it's like having something you can pick up and put down. There's a meme of, of somebody saying, I have autism, and they're carrying a little rainbow suitcase, <laughs> and I am autistic, and they've got a rainbow in the brain. But people will tell me, it, you know, very slowly and carefully, like I can't understand it, why I shouldn't identify the way I do. This is The Future is Inclusive, and that is the voice of Yen Perkis, a person who is proud to wear a number of identities. I'm a 44-year-old autistic person. I'm an advocate and an author. I have a podcast show. I do a lot of advocacy work. I do a lot of public speaking. Um, I work for the public service, so I suppose I'm a public servant. Um, I'm non-binary gender, so that's definitely an identity. I'm asexual, that's definitely an identity. I have a mental illness, that definitely goes to identity as well. Um, And I'm really happy to be me. I'm someone who's very proud of what I've become in my life, and I think those strong identity components have really helped me with that. I'm Cara Matthews, and if you want to be more aware about disability, join me on this journey to becoming the ally that you want to be. Now, I'm joined here with Alison and Susie Proctor. Welcome, both of you. Thanks, Cara. We're extremely excited to be here. Now, (laughs) (laughs) and that's Susie agreeing. Uh, I'm going to really quickly introduce myself and my sister Suze. You can hear a bit of Suze making some noise there on the microphone. Uh, So Suze is my big sister and she's sitting here in the chairs next to us. Now, Suze, if I say hi, there we go. I can see that you're looking at me at the same time that you are holding the microphone and you're giving me a smile and you're wearing a a, a fabulous pink jumper, uh, blue jeans and and Mary Janes. Uh, And we're not going to hear any words come out of your mouth today, I think, Suze. Well, if if the 44 years of us living together is sort of any indication, um, we're not going to. So, but that's okay, because we're here, like doing, I guess, a bit of an experiment in what it means for you to be a podcast host. It's a bit of an experiment to figure out what happens, Suze, when you're in the room. Uh, and how someone who isn't going to be using words uh, is going to contribute to some excellent um, audio time. So we're talking about defining disability today, mm-hmm. right? So identity, as Yen spoke about, but also in the very broad term of itself of what disability is, what do you think it is, Alison, and why is it useful to have one banner or is it useful to have one banner from everything from, from physical to psychosocial to intellectual and, and everything else? Uh, Cara, that's a, that's a $64 million question. I've been thinking a lot about this lately. And uh, it's an interesting thing for me to make a comment on as an ally, right? So I'm not a person with a disability. And so I really um, appreciate hearing from Yen about what they say uh, about how they identify. So I hear Yen say, I am an autistic person. Uh, but Suze, as your sister, I see, I imagine that you might say, well, I'm Suze. 
I'm a person with a disability. And part of that is because, Suze, one of the big things that we want for you is for people to see beyond your disability and to see you as a person. So for me as an ally, the message that I get from that is that I need to listen to what people are saying about how they want to identify and to know that there's not necessarily one way for everyone. I really, really like that, you know, especially how Yen was talking about how they are told and explained to him why the, how they should be identifying as themselves. Um, and I think that's really interesting because me personally, I prefer the suitcase theory. Okay. Right? The suitcase may be handcuffed to my hand, like I can't get rid of it, <laughs> but I prefer to be Kara who has anxiety or has PTSD yeah. um, because I want to be something other than that. I don't want to be anxiety. Yeah. I don't want to be PTSD. Yep. I want to – well, I don't want to have it, but – that's a thing they have. Yeah. I want to be a person that has it. Yeah. And um, so so when I think about you, Suze, and I think um, it's very clear and apparent when someone meets you, Suze, that you are a person who has a disability, you use a wheelchair and you communicate through means uh, other than words or symbols or gestures. So, yeah, like it's super apparent that you have a disability, right, Suze? And so I imagine that if I were you, uh, I would want to be identified as a person. Uh, not as as a disabled person. I mean, I don't know though. But but again, the message for me as an ally is to uh, listen, listen to what it is that that people want to identify as, and be cool with that, and not try and explain what they should be doing. Instead, like I've got all the answers. And I think there's something else that I find very interesting is this idea of what is the difference between ill health and disability. Ah, yeah. What is it that that defines a disability as opposed to being unwell. So when I studied this back at university, when I did my degree in occupational therapy a long, long time ago, uh, there was a definition that looked at um, impairment versus uh, disability. And an impairment is something that happens to a body. It is something physiological or anatomical or neurological or perhaps hormone-based. And it is uh, a traceable, identifiable thing that happens to somebody's body. Uh, and then disability is the way that that uh, physical thing interacts with the rest of the world. So uh, the disability is kind of the lived experience of of the barriers that might exist as a result of somebody's impairment. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's so interesting. And, and it kind of ties into what's been said, what I have heard said a lot in my work, disability is not the problem society is. Like, I wouldn't have a disability if there were no stairs, Yeah, you know, is a very common one. Um, and that's a very interesting way of looking at it, I think. And that in other times and in other cultures, things that are not considered a disability these days, like being left-handed or needing glasses, um, mm-hmm. have been a disability in other mm-hmm. contexts. So language is a huge part of how we identify. And actually, I spoke to Yen and also Sarah Ferguson about this. Now, Sarah volunteers with the Woden Community Service. And when she was 19, she was diagnosed with a brain tumour. And the treatment for that caused uh, a disability and ongoing medical issues. And when I spoke to them, it was really interesting because Sarah and Yen both had very differing ideas about how they like to identify. Rather than saying... Um, I say a disabled person, they usually say a person with a disability. So they don't label them as 
disabled people, you know. Although some people, including myself, will use disabled with a capital D, and that's to reflect something known as the social model of disability, which says there's a medical model that says you are impaired, you are this far away from normal. That's the medical model of disability. That's where you get your prejudice and your ableism usually. The social model of disability says if everyone in the world was a wheelchair user, who would be disadvantaged? Someone who wasn't a wheelchair user would keep banging their head on the door or on the ceiling because everyone would be seated. So the social model of disability says that disability becomes disabling when other people disable us. And it's not, you know, it doesn't cover everything, but it's a really useful model. And so a lot of people will say disabled people with a capital D reflecting that. And it's not Mm. saying people are broken. It's actually an empowering thing Mm. for a lot, but not everyone uses that either. So this this podcast is trying to talk to allies who would like to help and would like to do the right thing and and be solid allies and are not quite sure how. This question of language and how... Mm people define themselves and what their identity is is quite a tricky one in that everyone is is different mm-hmm. i mean generally i would just say if in doubt ask yes um and how a person identifies is their identity that is the key thing to know about sorry i'm totally monopolizing this podcast i'll stop for a second. <laughs> but the key thing about identity is that the way a person chooses to identify themselves is their identity mm-hmm. that's the one thing you need to know about using inclusive language so absolutely if in doubt, ask. Yes, and certainly the people approaching someone with a disability, I think they should show their sensitivity in the words that they use around that person Mm. so it doesn't come out as an accusing thing Mm. or as a a deprecating disorder, Mm. whatever, Mm. yeah. If they're open to me telling yeah. them what I'd prefer yeah. to use or, or yes. whatever, then yeah. it really doesn't matter that they've mm. used the incorrect language. No, no it's mm. if they continually use it um, into the future and don't actually respect your wishes. That's the issue. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. For people who, who are trying to be better allies, I guess one of the messages yeah. out of this is don't be afraid of yeah. talking to people just yeah. because you may use the wrong yeah. language. You know, yeah. most people get it. I mean, just like all humans, sometimes yeah. people are going to be in a bad mood. Some people are yeah. jerks. That's <laughs> You know, that they yeah. may not get it. But the majority of people are going to be understanding. I think the other thing is some people are afraid to engage with people in case they get it wrong. I would strongly encourage people not to do that because firstly, we have a lot to offer. You know, we have a great wealth of experience and and all useful things that, you know, we kind of like to share with the world. Mm. Um, But also... Most people, as you said, if they get it wrong, you point out to them and say, sorry, you, you just said that, you know, this is why I prefer mm. you not to say that. And then they're fine. I've had this conversation with friends and colleagues many, many times and I never hold it against them unless no. they keep doing it. And so the way mm. you say it to them rather than, don't, uh, you know, tell mm. me like, or don't speak to me mm. like that, you can just say, excuse me, would you mind not using that mm. word, please? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd, 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 that does upset me a little bit. Which it can be a hard thing, I think, to be corrected, or especially if you yeah. feel that you've actually hurt someone, you, you, yeah. you've messed up their identity, who they are as a human, I can mm. see that. So how, how do you deal with that? I had a situation with a friend a couple of years ago. Um, we see quite a lot of each other, and she was 
doing some things which I interpreted to be quite paternalistic and I was getting quite frustrated by this. So I, I raised it with her um, via email. I thought email was the best way of doing it so she could think about it, reflect on it and then respond when she had the opportunity. Mm. And actually in, in hindsight really strengthened our friendship but there was quite a difficult bit for a few weeks and there was questions of, oh, did I get it wrong? Am I doing it right? And she was genuinely worried that she was upsetting me and she was trying to do her best. And in hindsight, I did the right thing. Mm -hmm. But I felt bad at the time when we were processing that together. And she was obviously having, and I felt quite bad that I might have, um, you know, really upset her. Yeah. To, but I sort of had to stick to my guns once I'd been there and it did turn out okay. But for a while I thought, oh dear, if I actually, by needing her to respect my preference for how I'm treated, have I gone and lost a friendship, which is actually a mm. friendship I really value. I think we're all allies as well yeah. as being people with disabilities, you know, because disability is an incredibly broad word, which I'd like to touch on in a second. But first, I think part of being an ally is making mistakes. I think we all are going to make mistakes. There is such yes. diversity out there of opinion and, and of identity and of what people think and feel that we make mistakes. And that's just part of it and it's okay to do that. The way I view it, I'm a very inclusive person mm -hmm. and I like to see myself as a disabled, with a capital D, person. Mm -hmm. And so I feel an affinity with the disability community more broadly mm. than just my specific bits of it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's how I approach it. I, I try and be extremely inclusive because I figure if people disrespect me because they don't listen or they don't understand, I don't like that. So why on earth would I do that to other people when I can just learn about their experience and learn how to behave in a respectful manner and do that? It's not actually that difficult. But it is a very broad term and it's a very misunderstood term yes. outside of the disability community particularly. Very misunderstood. I think some people sort of feel that disabled people should be sort of put on the edge of society and they need all need treatment, they all need medication, they all need support and so on. There can be a big difference between those people who don't see themselves as disabled and then those people that, yeah. I started when, when I first kind of started in this industry, mm. I had a lot of trouble identifying as someone mm. with a disability mm. um, in a different way than usually people expect. Usually people go, oh, you don't want to because you'll get stigmatized yeah. or yes. but for me it was actually I felt that I wasn't worthy of the term um, <laughs> I felt I hadn't had enough hardship or whatever it was I hadn't experienced this I don't experience the same levels of discrimination because yeah. my disability is invisible mostly yes. um, yeah. it comes out as, as behavioral obviously yeah. when I have a panic attack or a flashback yeah. or something which which I found quite an interesting that, yeah way of not wanting to identify with that term I have yeah. overcome that slowly yeah. now and I think mm. that comes with how it is seen in the broader yeah. you know yeah. you are seen as this particular person yeah. who's had an awful life yeah. um, which is not the case no. in no. a lot of people and is often quite condescending. Yeah. Sarah we touched on before about what it's like when people will say what's wrong with you they just want to know what's wrong with you. Mm. What is the impact of that question? Yeah I might get a little bit upset I might get a little bit angry or you know there's nothing really I can do about it, it, it and ironically as I said it's more the the treatment for the tumor that's caused these problems but it's just, it's just the way I cope with it I've learned to cope with it in a positive way 
And it doesn't really matter what disability you've got. There's always something that you can do, you're capable of doing. Feel good about yourself. You know, don't, don't focus on the negatives all the time. And that's helped me to understand the situation better. And don't keep thinking about, oh, maybe I shouldn't have had the radiation or whatever. Because if I hadn't had, had the radiation, I might have might well be dead by now. It's an interesting question that people will often ask as soon as you say you have PTSD too. Oh, it doesn't really happened, come... Yeah, it's what yeah. happened. Yeah. Um, oh. Which I feel... Because that's just what you want to be discussing with a stranger. Exactly. I'm like, do you know what PTSD is? Mm. And, and I get it and I think it is a common... Um, thing that the allies probably have to have anyone has to deal with Mm. and that is the curiosity yes um we all have our own curiosities and i have it too i'm i'm a very curious person it's why i like this job it's you know i like talking to people i like knowing about them but you have to kind of know when it's not your business Mm. or you have to you know understand that do either of you have a final thought or something for our listeners I'd just say that language drives how we see things. So while some people think it's just semantics or it's political correctness, I just keep in mind that the way we describe something, the words we use, define and drive how we think about that thing or that person. Yes, I very much agree with you. And don't judge a person, you know, just from their um, their visual uh, appearance. You know, you can't judge a book by its cover. So what if they have an, you know, one eye that's looking out to the right and one's <laughs> looking in the front or a dear person that's uh, in a wheelchair or whatever? You can't label them as weird or, uh, you know, stupid people or whatever. Give them a go. Just be patient. Be relaxed with those people. And then you'll soon you'd be, you'll be surprised, you know, they're very mm. much like anyone else. Wow. So there was a there was a lot in that um, really interesting conversation. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we talked a lot about how language can be different for different people, and different people deserve, uh, prefer different terms. Mm. But there are also some terms um, that are pretty much just blanket no nos, right? For sure, there are. Uh, I think they're pretty obvious, so I like to call them the R word and the S word, but of course I mean retard or spastic or any of their iterations. So I mean anything that ends in the word tard, so um, party tard or anything that people might want to use as a kind of like a portmanteau, bringing that that part of the word together, or spaz or any of the things that are derivatives of the word spastic. So there have been times when I've had to ask people not to use those words. Uh, And sometimes I get a bit of pushback, right? So sometimes people will say, oh, but it doesn't mean anything bad and it doesn't, and everyone uses it for this reason. And I remember um, like maybe about 10 years ago, I was pulling someone up on that and I said, yeah, but it's just not okay. It's not cool to say those words. And this friend of mine said at the time, but why? Like, honestly, why? And I said, well, look, When you say that word, it takes me back to this moment in high school. I'm walking home from high school and I see the white bus. So, Suze, you're here right now with us in the studio and you used to catch a white bus to and from school because you weren't allowed to come to the same school as us. (laughs) And 
you would see the white bus Mm -hmm. cruise along the streets of of where we grew up Mm -hmm. and kids from my school would run behind that bus and they would scream the R word and Mm -hmm. the S word out. And so now... Whenever I hear someone use either of those words, mm-hmm. it's it's not cool. It just takes me back to that place. And I really don't care what justification anyone has for using them. Mm-hmm. I still say it ain't cool. Yeah. It's hurtful. It's hurtful language. Yeah, and yeah. it is also interesting because I think in a way those words have been used and appropriated so often yeah. that especially a lot of young people don't know <laughs> the, the origin of those yeah. words. They yeah. don't know those experiences. Yeah. Um, and I am an example of that. I did not used to – I've always known the R word was not okay for yep. some reason. Um, but it was really only a few years ago um, I would use the word spaz. Mm. Just, you know, to describe as someone who was doing something particularly excitable or something like mm. that, and I had no clue – and I said it, um, it was whilst I was doing work <laughs> with people with disabilities. <laughs> Ouch. Yep. And I walked in and I said it and someone very kindly just kind of looked at me and, and went, do you know you can't say that word? <laughs> and I went, what? Why? And then they explained to me the origin of it and <laughs> I was mortified. I was absolutely mortified. Ouch. I had no clue that that was where the word had come from and I haven't used it since. Um but I think it really talks to how we call people out because right. I think that could have been called, you know, that really I said that in the one of the worst places I possibly could and still someone managed to take me at face value, to, you know, understand, seem to understand where I was coming from and that I didn't mean any offence and explained to me calmly <laughs> why it was wrong. Oh, that must have been so hard for you to get that feedback. Absolutely. Um, it was really hard and it was especially, you know, as somebody who was trying to advocate. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important for us to be open about being called out. So in some ways that was you being an ally, being called out and taking it. Absolutely. And changing. Absolutely. And like I said in the conversation with Yen and and Sarah, we are even people with disabilities are still allies yeah. because there is such a breadth of, of experience and we, within the word disability. Yeah, and we all, we all muck up. We all say things that are not cool. And what is cool changes. And so the message I'm hearing from you about how to be a good ally is to listen when you're called out and to change the way you are. Absolutely. And to not justify, try to justify, okay, but it actually comes from this, oh, but yeah. it actually comes from that. It's like, yes, but now it is hurtful. Yeah. Um, and and this is what it means yeah. to me, and therefore, okay, well, great, I'm not going to say it anymore. Yeah. You know? So we've got a lot of tools out of today's conversations. Um, I want to kind of distill them mm. really quickly. So we've heard about one big one that I think we're going to hear a lot and we have already heard a lot is Just Ask. Mm. But I'm starting to think that that's actually a really big thing, you know, Just Ask. It's great, but how? Oh, uh, Yeah. I had a really great conversation just on Friday with the mum of a young girl who is transgender and she was telling me about something that people had done recently that that showed her that they were her ally and her daughter's ally and they said, I just want to check that I'm doing the right thing. Mm. And I thought, oh, that's actually exactly the kind of thing that I would love for people to ask Suze when you and I are out together. I just want to check I'm doing the right thing. It's like that's an easy thing to say. 
Yeah, absolutely. And then like Carly Finlay says, though, say hello first. Yeah, yeah okay. So right? not the number one thing <laughs> yeah. that you say. <laughs> you might say hi. <laughs> but it's a really useful tool. So he, I've, I've heard two tools yep. out of that. It's say hello. Yep. And then I just want to check that I'm doing the right thing. Yes. Both incredibly powerful tools in ways that you can just ask. Um, I think another thing that we've talked about is uh, how to to allow yourself to be called out. Yep. But I also think it's worth talking about how you call people out. Yep. Um, so I heard an interesting term, which I've had mixed feelings about partially because, you know, I think there is a lot of language and new language that we're always trying to learn. Um, but I do think it's a useful one, and that is that instead of trying to call people out, try to call them in. Yeah, for sure. You know, so it's not about berating them or telling them they've done something wrong. It's about trying to include them in your circle, include them in your space. And I think that's also for me why sharing a personal story of why a word is hurtful um, Mm -hmm. can be helpful. Because if I say, I don't want you to say that because I'm the PC queen, you know, that's really not calling someone in to be my ally. But by telling them, you know, this is what it's like for me when you say this word, then that helps people to join join my circle of of understanding what it's like. Absolutely. That is incredibly powerful. Personal story is incredibly powerful. Sometimes when we're allies, we don't have a personal story. What do you think about how you might be able to call someone in um, without having a personal story? So I read some statistics recently that said 46% of people of all people, have a family member, a close family member who has a disability. That's a lot of people. So uh, if you're one of the 54% that don't, you're welcome to use our story if you like. You're listening. It's great. You've got some some hot tips on, on what life is like for people with disability and how to be a good ally. So, yeah, just borrow our story if you like. Well, that's very generous. Thank you. Um, and finally, before we wrap up, I do just want to talk about another thing that I think came out of this, and that is not being afraid to get mm. it wrong. Okay. You know, so oh, yeah. I've just said a story about how I, as a person with a disability, got it wrong, you know, and it happens and it's going to happen. And to me, that is a sign that you're trying. Mm, for sure. To be honest. So sometimes um, in terms of getting it wrong, uh, with Suze and I, um, when people say, oh, I'm kind of worried about getting it wrong, I, I just uh, say... You know, I, we invite you to dive into the awkwardness of what it's like mm-hmm. to be with uh, someone who doesn't use words mm-hmm. to communicate, mm-hmm. who makes random clappy mm-hmm. noises and mm-hmm. who is generally awesome. Um, just feel free to dive into the awkwardness. That's that's actually, that is the reasonable adjustment and that is the being the ally. That's fantastic. Thank you. Okay, so a quick summary of our tools. Just ask, and a way to say that is to say hello, and I just want to check I'm doing the right thing. Be open to being called out and reflecting on your behaviour. Instead of calling people out, try to call them in to your circle and your space, and try not to feel scared about doing the wrong thing. Dive into the awkwardness. Bring it on. So that's us for another show. In our next episode, we are going to have a look at the arts, um, which is one that's very exciting and personal to me uh, and what it's like to work in this area. Woohoo! That's next time. And if you want more people to join you on this mission to Gold Star Allyship, please tell them about this podcast. 
Rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform and give us a shout out on social media. If you'd like to get in touch, you can email thefutureisinclusive at gmail.com. This podcast is funded by the ACT Office for Disability. Thank you very much this week to Susie and Alison Proctor, Yen Perkis and Sarah Ferguson and to our producer, Kim Lester.